All right, Casey. We just had a wonderful conversation. Did we ever? Did we now? Mm-hmm. Get into allyship. We did. We have two. We had a conversation with two fabulous guests today. Really one of the best conversations we've had, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And they're still <laughs> here with us. Um, so in this conversation, we have Ala Oshumare, who is the youth program manager at the New Haven Pride Center and the principal organizer of Black Lives Matter New Haven. Hey, Welcome. y'all. Hey, y'all. We all here. And we have Cassie Meyerhofer, Dr. Meyerhofer, who's a a professor in the sociology department at Southern Connecticut State University, where we are currently sitting. Uh, Cassie, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah. Cassie's the best. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we owe power. (laughs) Listen, we will not take too much of your time at this point because you have a wonderful conversation of allyship coming soon. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, right now. Hello, welcome to Real Talk. Real Talk is about real conversations with real people regarding diversity in higher education. I am your co-host, Jamil Harp, a student activist. And I'm Casey Counselor, a professor in the Communication, Media, and Screen Studies Department at Southern Connecticut State University. All right, Jamel, let's go. Hello. Welcome back to The Real Talk. Hello, Casey. We Hi, are Jamel. starting again, season three, on a really important topic. Yes. What a perfect way to start the season off with allyship. You know, I think of actually allyship as really something the podcast is always about, but this episode we're taking it on really specifically. Yes, I think many folks in our community will have questions about what is allyship, why does it matter, and how to get started if you may not think of yourself as an ally. Yep, and you know, what kind of, what role does social media play in in how we are an ally to different communities, how we are activists, um, what happens when things go wrong? Well, yeah, I think often folks get lost in the term allyships. There's a lot of people thinking they're allies and may not be, and there's some folks that are allies and don't know they're allies. So we can clear up on the matter and give some of our thoughts on how to be an ally, how not to be, and more about that. Yep, and we have two fabulous people here today to talk with us about allyship. Um, and let's just, let's just jump right in. I mean, big picture question what does allyship mean to you? What does it mean to be an ally? Um, why does it matter? It's something that so many people are talking about allyship, but they are saying a lot of different things, I think. So what does that term mean um, to you all as activists, as allies to one another? As far as like Cassie and I's relationship, I don't think of Cassie as an ally. I actually think of Cassie mm. more like my family. Um, like we have a... We have a blood sisterhood that's like Mm. a blood bond that we've decided to like go against oppression together Mm -hmm. in every way. But I think when our relationship first started, we started as allies. Mm -hmm. And then things happen in the field where you're like, oh, hey, I can, I think I can go to this person to help with this thing, interpersonal things. Hey, am I showing up right I feel like I can trust you or like, is there something more that I can do? Or actually, which I love about Cassie is um, like, you know, we'll be talking about salad. We want to we need to make salad. And like Cassie doesn't come over and be like, so what 
I heard that you were making salad. Cassie will just be like, so I heard y'all were making salad and I have these things instead of like waiting for someone to tell her how to show up. She can assess and see. And for me and how I work, that is how I know that I'm like, oh, I can build a bond and a friendship with this person beyond allyship, but that they turn from an ally to a comrade to a co-conspirator. And that's Mm. where I want folks to start out at allyship, but I want you to get to co-conspirator. Yeah, absolutely. I, I honestly think I learned like how to show up because of our relationship and because of our friendship, like, you know, prior, like prior to our friendship, you know, I, I knew you from like protests and whatever. And then we did undoing racism together. And I feel like so much of what you brought to that space shifted like so much for me. Like I remember there was a, we were talking about allyship. I don't know if you remember this because you're in a lot of spaces like this, but um, you said something like, sure, you know, I'll take your money if you want to donate money. But what I really want is for you to show up like arm in arm with me. You didn't say this to me, but you like, you said that to the room, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I really, I really took that to heart. And, and I agree with you. I think, um, you know, allyship is where to start um, to kind of like, you know, dip your foot in and, and try and figure out like, how do I show up? How do I, do I belong in this space? Do I belong in different spaces? Should I be doing something else? But yeah, I think, being comrades, being co-conspirators. Um, you know, I think that's where a lot of really important work happens. I don't know if we want to like break that down for folks. Like what is the difference between being an ally versus being a co-conspirator versus being a comrade? I mean, I think it's important. I think for me using your example, which I often use when we're talking about when I'm in spaces with people talking about, how to be an ally for a group of people that they are not of. Mm-hmm. So I do that a lot around racial justice, but I also do that a lot around the work that I do around queerness and with the LGBT community, especially with young people. And it's always the same, but I find I, believe it or not, a little bit more adamant about certain things when we're talking about like our queer identities and how to support queer young people. I feel like, you have to have figured that out before you come trying to support us. But when you're trying to, you're a white person and you're trying to learn how to not subscribe to whiteness anymore and you're trying to step outside of that, that you can figure it out, but it has to be uh, holistic and it has to be something that you really want to do. So for allyship, I find that that is, you know, first coming to the action, standing around, Mm -hmm. paying attention. If someone's like, Everyone link arms, you know, you're not apprehensive. You just link someone's arm and like you do that. And and then you donate. If you if you are of if what you're supporting, you have a privilege in that, then you do whatever it is to re to reallocate resources. It can be money, yes, of course. And also folks know how to write things and read policy and look at legislation and and that is where we can really step into le- to allyship in an intentional way because you're actually doing something as opposed to like doing a $1,000 donation to a 501c3 that you really get a tax write-off for anyway. So you're actually not doing allyship, you know, like right. donate it to someone where you can't get anything back for. And then you're stepping into allyship. And I think comrades 
are the people who go to the meetings when it's like we're having the weekly meetings and they show up and they learn about the thing. They'll start reading the books. They'll ask questions and they're safer community and bring those answers and show up that way in the community that they're trying to support. And then co-conspirators for me are when I say white folks jump in front of these people, they're already there before I told you and they just had to link arms Mm -hmm. or they're noticing stuff and not waiting for the people who are historically divested from to tell them what to do. You might say, hey, I just want to check in because I noticed that the cops are like moving over there. Not did you know that the cops, but just want to check in if, if this is what how you want me to be over here in this space. And someone like me, I'll be like, oh my God, yes, Cassie, because I didn't even, I was supposed to come over here and tell you five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And, and really working like you not to colonize or, or, um, I can't think of the word, but like take up the black identity, but really to to jump in front of and do the things that you know will stop a, um, a system or make it easier for everyone else. And not because you're a white person and you're trying to support black people, but because you're a person yes. and you know that we have to, this line has to be pushed back. This line has to be protected. And it's not like I'm a white <clears throat> person showing up. It's, this is what needs to happen. And I didn't have to think about what is going to happen and all these things. I just did it because this is, this is what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I'm I hearing, think, Oh, sorry. Well, I'm just hearing so much in what both of you are saying about trust, you know, mm-hmm. and, and learning and relationship um, and that those things develop over time, but it's a constant process of building trust and relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think too, I think, you know, like for white folks showing up around issues of racial justice, I think like for me, the the folks that I really see as um, co-conspirator, like other white folks who are co-conspirators are the ones who are there doing the work when no one is watching, mm-hmm. like yes. doing the, like doing the hard work, um, you know, late nights in someone's basement. And like, you know, I think about like the police accountability bill and like, Sure, it's great to be at the Capitol and be there, like, linking arms and holding signs, but someone had to, like, talk, like, someone had to work through that bill. Someone had to, you know, I think it's, like, the the work that's, like, you know, not sexy, the work that mm-hmm. is hard and behind closed doors and no mm-hmm. one knows you're doing it. I think that, too, is is co-conspirator work because, like— you don't get a pat on the back for it. You're doing it, like you said, you're doing it because you're a human being and you're working toward liberation, not mm-hmm. because you're a white person and you want people to know that you're, you know, you're an ally. Right. You're not one of those kinds of whites. You're like, exactly. And exactly. And like, I, especially when we're talking about um, racial justice and any kind of connotation, I find that, you know, a co-conspirator is, especially when they're not, they're not a, when they're a non-black, non-brown or non-person of color. However, if they identify as a white person or a person who has become white because they're in that part of their journey of liberation and undoing, that it's more about the entire movement. We are not just one-minded. Like, yes, this is your passion work, but how are you also supporting food justice? Mm-hmm. How are you also 
and and supporting the black and brown people who are doing that work. And that may be do legislation and policy and do that stuff for the racial justice movement that that's like right that's your passion work. And that's where you send the money to for for food justice and send them their money and volunteer. And thinking about the police accountability bill, we had a couple of true co-conspirers who drove around Connecticut to make sure that people got to Hartford. They never got out their car. They were not on any of the videos. Mm -hmm. You did not know about them. They did not ask anyone for for gas money. That Of us, they worked together to figure that out because those folks were not economically privileged. Mm -hmm. But they are folks who have become white, and they understand that part that's just as important as writing the speech and being in front of the newspaper. Sometimes more so because they got some of the people who were there to write the speech and to say the thing. And those people are historically divested people. So, you know, that is how you step it up and how you enter into the, continue to evolve in that work. I think that allyship is the best way to start entering into any of this social movement works and I'm an ally to trans identities. Mm -hmm. I'm not trans. I I could never be trans. I think that they have the best flag. I will say that. (laughs) Um, We do. Right. Like, come on. Uh, And also, I've had folks ask me if I was trans because I waved that trans flag so proudly just as much as I wave it about being a black queer woman, just like I raise, raise it about being black or a woman or a uh, teenage parent and all of those things. And for me, I, then we have to have a conversation about why do you think that you would come and ask me if I'm trans or not because mm-hmm. what's going on. And also, I should be having that conversation Right. So that they're not going to any right. of my any of my my family who are trans and that's spirit that's a little spirit murdering for them. For me, it's annoying, it makes me upset and angry. But my identity was not just erased. And I have the ability to make sure that that person leaves from that interaction not thinking that it's okay, mm-hmm. knowing something so that I just don't take it away. I give them something like, hey, I want to offer that, you know. I know you don't want to be transphobic. And so this question is transphobic. And then we have a lot of times it'll be like, oh, my God, I thought that I was being an ally by asking you because I wanted to support you because I noticed that you talk about trans stuff all the time. And I'm like, oh, no, an ally is being like, hey, do you know any trans uh, organizers that might need some some money was the cash app. <laughs> and then if I said, oh, me, or then if that is, an, and I understand curiosity, right? We are trained into that. Capitalism and patriarchy have told us to, have, we have to figure out and socially construct everything in front of us. So I get that. And if you're trying to work it through, what can I offer this person that I'm asking to do labor for to educate me about something? Hey, I mean, would it, I might have still seen through that, but I would have also given that person about six people's cash apps to cash, and made sure that they cashed that. Right. Then while we're on the phone, like right there, and then have that conversation as we're talking. So, and I, I think that's like another piece of allyship is like, um, 
being open to receiving that kind of criticism, mm -hmm. like not, and maybe criticism is like too harsh of a word, but being open to like, okay, I want to be an ally. I want to show up in the, in the best way that I can. And if I do something wrong, I need to listen and, you know, and be able to, to change those behaviors. Um, and also I, you know, I think a, an important in terms of racial justice, another big piece of allyship for white folks is talking to other white folks. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. not just showing up yes. in diverse spaces to show people how many diverse people are in your life, but talk to other white people, have difficult conversations, answer the questions that your relatives have so that people of color don't have to do that. Yeah. Same thing for, I'm, I'm a black queer woman. So it's like always blackness, then my queer identity, because that's the way the world sees me. I'm not a, I'm not a, a visibly queer person. If I was, then I would have to probably put that in front. But as a black queer person, I find that that is some of the heaviest work uh, that I have to do to hold that. And so the, that work is oftentimes like I'll have to support black folks around my queerness. And I have to support white folks around my blackness. Mm -hmm. And I got to support everybody around me being a woman. Because I'd be like, you know, everyone's just spirit murdering women. And I find that the difference is always the intent behind it. And 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 I find that as we were coming in, I was joking, like, you know, I, I say Ali's hip, you know, instead of allyship. Because oftentimes I find people who want to be allies really want micromanagement or really want they're emotionally unwell because of the systems we've been socialized into and are trying to gain the attention that it feels good when someone that you like you don't understand how this harm is happening or maybe you have done it and it feels good for a white person to, to for a black person to be like I see you thank you I love you you're we need you right and also is that you needing to be an ally or is that whiteness showing up in that space? And the same thing for straight people when they're like, you know, I've had conversations where I, at the end I'm like, I don't think I want to be your friend anymore. <laughs> and we just had a, the whole conversation was you trying to tell me how much you're an ally to queer people. And I'm like, see, I'm always super cautious when people go, oh, I'm an ally to these communities. One, I have, I never just voluntarily say I'm an ally to X, Y, and Z people. I do it through my actions. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that you can't call yourself an ally. That community calls you an ally. Exactly. I, I find it really strange when folks are like, yes, I do all these things for these communities and they appreciate it. It sounds like it's coming from a different space. Mm -hmm. um, I think when I look at allyship, I think the very first thing is stepping into a situation with empathy mm -hmm. and allyship is not just as you know i say it one thing and i have it forever it's a lifelong journey and it's i wake up every day and i choose better i choose to be better and i choose to keep trying to become better and that's what i think about when i think about allyship as a basic principle you know i'm navigating spaces with empathy and maybe every day i don't show up as my best self but i'm trying that's right mm -hmm. and then you are i'm talking to the community i'm asking what they need not what i think they need <laughs> You know, I'm also not going, you know, well, I have a black friend and that black friend said X, Y, and Z, so you must not be wrong. Understanding that different folks in that community may have different ideas, ideologies, and ways of going about that. 
um, before I'm taking it on to the next steps beyond allyship. Mm-hmm. But folks really get stuck at the whole, I like the idea of being an ally. Like the sound of it. Mm-hmm. I want to put it in my bio. I want a t-shirt. <laughs> I want a t-shirt. I want to tell my friends that I'm an ally. Look at me. Look at me. Because I loved how y'all, y'all two talked about the folks that weren't on the front pages, who weren't getting the PR, mm-hmm. who name we don't know. Because that's real work there. Mm-hmm. Showing up without having folks know that you're showing up. That's how you really know that you're practicing allyship correctly. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I... I see it. One of the ways that I, I've been seeing it lately is with the way that my friends parent their kids. And I'll just notice it, like, in something that the kid does. Like, um, you know, that doesn't, like, these these friends have not told me that they're talking about what it means to be trans and that they're really, like, gender fluid in how they're raising their kids until I'm, like, walking down the street and someone calls their little boy a girl and and he just says, thank you. You know, when mm-hmm. boys are taught to be misogynist, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I absolutely love uh, and to, to fundamentally change how you parent your child like that is a structural change. And that's a big deal. And I think that not everybody sees those things as allyship. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's, a, you know, that's a lot of hard labor. And that is fundamentally shaping your children's worldview. Um, sure. Which I'm looking at Cassie. She is obviously does with her kids. Mm-hmm. Um that is an example to me of, of that behind the scenes stuff that will make such a big difference in the lives of people around you. Um, and it's so different than it drives me nuts when I see like 10 ways to be an ally, yes. 10, do oh this, don't do that. <laughs> like when, the do's and don'ts list that makes me feel crazy. And first of all, I feel like some people are like, oh, okay, I'm just going to go down the checklist, mm-hmm. and then now I'm an ally, and I've achieved it, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or I also think, and they memorize the right terminology, oh. and they use the right terminology, mm-hmm. but then you have other folks, who, it's maybe older generations, right, who maybe they don't know the latest, you know, how we talk about whatever issue or a particular community, but they're actually doing work in the community that benefits people without knowing this social media language mm-hmm. uh, that makes me crazy yeah yeah i just i was in colorado uh, about a month ago and uh you know every morning so i was there with with my aunt and my mom and every morning we'd have coffee together and like kind of go through basically like they would ask me questions and like you know my aunt lives in like a, a fairly conservative like rural part of colorado and I just, I really valued that she was just sitting there asking questions as opposed to like trying to show up in a way, like you're saying, like having the right words, knowing the right, whatever. She just like, she wanted, she had so many questions about race, about gender. And, and she just kind of like took the opportunity to learn more. And I think like, you know, that, that also is like another kind of first step of allyship is asking, asking questions to people who aren't part of the group that you're Mm -hmm. asking questions about. But I also think a lot of people hear certain questions and then they just slap people down and shame them for yes. not knowing. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. I um, that's what I was. And Beyonce's uh, damn dimmick that we're in in twenty twenty one. If you are pulling out do's and don'ts of how to be an anti racist mm-hmm. and toting that as your like your license for allyship or comradeship or co-conspiratorship it's like we've been doing this for like 10 years i've been seeing these lists and you're still if your list hasn't elongated in this amount of time then 
what are you really doing? Are you, are you, is it performative? Are you, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of money around uh, die, which I call it, some folks call it diversity, equity, inclusion, but I call it die. You know, you want me to die because you can't name exactly what it is that you want. And something around the language piece. And I, I, we find that, and, and I find this being very intersectional around my my work around queerness and around black my black identity is that folks learn the language and become better skilled oppressors. Mm. Yes. Yeah, and definitely. it's like, woo, that right there. I yep. had like arguments with people who were telling me that I was gaslighting them because I was like, no, you can't show up in this space like this. And they're like, but this is my lived it. If your lived experience is actively erasing people and I don't care if they're not in this room. They, I represent those people. If they're not in the room, I don't care if I'm not a, a trans person. Mm-hmm. There's trans people in the room because some of my ancestors were trans. And so if I'm in this space, they're in this space. And there's just no way that you can squeak that over. This is actually the time to talk about it more because those identities are not directly in the space. And so we're not talking over them, which we see... Mm-hmm. A lot and and any of this allyship and and any of the social movements. Um, And then I find that that's also where folks with the language, they also um, like slapping folks down, but also invalidating other people's version Mm -hmm. of what movement work looks like. Mm -hmm. This isn't on the do's and don'ts list. Right. You, that's not how you do anti-racism. And it's like, (laughs) That's not how you do anti-racism <laughs> because you're not offering anything. You're not supporting. None of this is going towards growth and evolution and liberation by you totally like invalidating what this person is doing. And and you can say, hey, I really support you coming to this thing. But, you know, we don't say that word anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not a lesson. Yeah. And people, a lot of people, when you say it like, like it's regular, like tie your shoes. Yeah. A lot more people are able to receive that. And, and like, when you start preaching and, like, shaming people, yep. rightfully so, it doesn't matter how wrong they are, you're getting, they're going to get, defi- I know, I will get very They're defensive. not going to come back. Right? And then and and they're not going to receive anything. And then they're going to name, they're going to dig their heels into the thing because mm-hmm. they were like, I have this bad experience where someone right. said this and my friend who's queer said that I can say that. And so my friend said it. And and you never have the discussion around, like, if your friend who's queer says it, then that's what you say with your friend. Yeah. But when you Correct. come in the rest of this community, so come on we now. don't talk like that. Yeah. You know, like, and and tell your friend to come over here too. Because you yeah, can, what's going on with your friend? Right. And we, you know, <laughs> queer people, sometimes we, we, we hate ourselves no. more than, than the outside, non-queer folks do because of, how we were socialized into being. So I just, I find that the language piece is a part that oftentimes really, really gets overlooked because it's like you you could check, like you said, you mark all the checks off and then like folks who are like really upholders of of whiteness by way of like language and like doing the thing and having the proof, which is a total, you know, uh, a tool of of whiteness and oppression is what like and, and that was exactly like you said it makes people leave the space yep mm-hmm. and never ever come back or engage in that work in any way 
and this may be a little too much for this episode, but what I know I also think about when language, when folks use all the right terms and they are really caught on using the correct language and learning that but not doing the actual work, mm-hmm. a lot of times they find themselves in those spaces to stop the work that's happening. They're able to blend into the group, you know, try to participate in the movement, use all the right words, pass as a co-conspirator, as an ally of the group, but really have ill intentions, really want to slow down your work, really want to know what you're planning behind closed doors mm-hmm. to stop it. Mm-hmm. Try to pull you to the side to convince you that the work you're doing is not justifiable. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Or this is something I hear a lot in spaces. It takes time. Mm-hmm. You got to give it more time. Let's hold off on that. Let's, let's try that next year. Let's try that next, next year. Mm-hmm. Try to put a pause in the work. And I don't think we talk about that enough in spaces when we're trying to fight against oppression and trying to collaborate and be really one with each other. Those that we let in the space are not always for us. Mm-hmm. And may sit there in the chair next to you like they're for you in this space. And everybody believe they are, mm-hmm. but really be plotting against um, and I may be a bit much to dive too deep into in this episode, but you know, I just was reminded of that. I figured I'd throw it out there. Well, I want to talk about time. Let me ask you all this because there's like a couple narratives around urgency, right? Like one is like, this is an urgent moment. Like we need to act right now. We need action, 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 urgent. And then the other piece is like, no, urgency is white supremacy. And we need to also like take time and authentically change um, society's structures. We can't just do this super quick. Um, like, let's just hire this one person and expect that the whole structure is going to change. So what do y'all think about that tension? I mean, I think we see that at Southern a lot. Um, When we're talking about like changes that need to happen at Southern, um, I think what happens a lot of the time is we have these multicultural spaces where white folks who haven't like taken the time to examine or like undo their whiteness show up in these spaces and cause harm. Um, And so I think we definitely need to be more intentional about that. But then at the same time, like you're saying, there's this criticism, rightly so that, you know, while white folks are like navel gazing and trying to like figure out their whiteness, people of color are doing all the work. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I mean, I think that tension is happening here and I think it's a both end type of situation. I think that there is urgency and you need to name the things that need to change and there needs to be organizing around that. And white folks need to be learning about whiteness, undoing whiteness and learning how to show up and do the work so that they can be co-conspirators. So I don't think it's one or the other. I think both of those things need to be happening. I I say that, and I'm, I'm in this movement of like really preaching that time is cyclical and not linear. Mm -hmm. And so it is a it's a it's a and both. I think for white folks who are like, oh, it's gonna take time, y'all need to speed it up. And right. for yes. those of us who are like, as much as I've like and I don't know what it was like before I had a rest day and I still don't rest enough and take care of myself enough. Mm-hmm. And I also have a one day a week that I do that. For us, I think that it's time to And this is where the intergenerational movement comes in. I think that this is where we bring up 10, 11, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 year olds and include them in this space because they have ideas and we have people who are running for mayor at like 19. So I think that we can sometimes slow down once we allow our movement to open up. But again, with trust, 
that is where it's really hard to do that because I think when I think of you know my queer identity and the queer the the work I'm I do around supporting queer folks mirrors the same work that I do in the hood with hood healing. Mm-hmm. It mirrors it. The people who will create spaces for won't come. And then I learned that you have to invite those people back and you can create the space and like have like, this is the gayest space in the world. Everything's rainbows <laughs> and unicorns. <laughs> and like everyone's walking by and they're like, oh, that's for the gays. That's yeah. for the gays. And it's two of us, you know, it's four of us in the room. Everyone else is straight white men walking around with their rainbow stickers and pronoun stickers on. And it's like, oh, but you're not even queer. And it's like, you know, then queer people walk by and they see those people in there and they're like, that space isn't for me. Right. So I think that's part of it. There is a sense of urgency around undoing language and undoing the culture. And that is, that calls for a slowdown. Mm -hmm. Like we have to go sometimes line by line or, when something sh- shows up, we have to make space for it. And I think that we never make space for that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but we got to do the thing. And it's like, you know, I think about, I was reading uh, a meme, Memes of Life now. And um, it was a queer, uh, differently abled person talking about how when queer folks got the right to marry, you know, d- differently abled queer folks who are needing their SSI checks they still can't get married because you still mm. can't have more than $2,000 in your bank account. Uh-huh. So did we get queer rights? Like when, when I know two of my friends who are trans, who, when they went to, yes, they got married. It was a thing, but they have not yet changed their IDs mm-hmm. l- legally, right? It, it was such a thing at City Hall that they decided to not do it like that anyway. And they decided that they have to have a ceremony mm-hmm. so that it, the, the person wouldn't be fumbling over, oh, oh I forgot, because, you know, on the paper it says this name, but you told, like, j- just part of that being a part of their wedding. So I think those things are cyclical and changing the culture in City Hall and how do you take off pronouns off every application? How do you do that? How do you make, okay, this is your legal name, but what is your real name? Like, naming it that so when I feeling it like you know when people are filling the applications they're like oh you get me mm-hmm. that is a culture shift that if we brought that to the state capitol in Connecticut right now people will have a meltdown sure will sure <laughs> all will. you're asking is to put a box that says legal name real name like mm-hmm. people what does that mean your legal name is your real name that's gonna take time and we that just time, cut the pronouns ooh, off I feel like that's my that's my button too when folks with that hold so much privilege go, that's time. It's time for you. Mm-hmm. It's time for you. Like, there's folks out here really struggling, really dying over these issues. But for them, it's just time. Mm-hmm. And when they say time, too, they don't mean like a couple of weeks. You know, when I, mm-hmm. I hear time, I think, you know, we're going to schedule this next week. We're going to put it on the calendar. Mm-hmm. They think in 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Exactly. Well, Ooh. this is what I would say to that. Like, there's also a way that we can say, well, like when I came out, there were some people who said to me, I don't understand it yet, but I accept it, you yeah. know? And like, you can, like, you can be like, I don't really understand why this forum says this. I'm going to eventually understand it. But I don't get it right now, but this is my job and here's the forum. Right. 
you know? <laughs> That's okay. That's where I think it, like it's the deeper learning that takes time. Yeah. Right. And we just have to sort of trust the people who are most impacted. Yes. And I think that this is also the time where if you really want to be a co-conspirator, if you want to get off of Ali's hip and step into comrade or co-conspirator, this is where we stop riding the fence, right? Like, I think about institutions, and it's like, oh, that's going to take time because, you know, people don't understand. If you are a gatekeeper in an institution and you have a problem giving me a slip that says legal name and real name, and it is confounding you in such a way that you can't get around it, not only, you don't need to be here anymore. And I think that's where the bosses and the true power keepers who write these the best diversity and equity things and we're for Black Lives Matter and all of these things, this is where it's like, I want to take that thing and be like, remember when you said right here on paragraph two, line five, that this is what you were going to do? This is, there's a man in admissions who's harming black and queer people and poor people. And these are the things. And how much more proof do you need? Connecticut is at will state. So you really don't need any proof, you know? And then I think about like university and tenure and all of that mm. thing. Yes, we know it's hard to get rid of people who are tenured, but if tenured people saw on a large scale that no one was safe anymore and that we're going to make it uncomfortable for you, people who really subscribe to oppression who just, it's too much in my face, they'll eventually leave and you don't have to make it comfortable for them. You keep bringing in the right people. You keep making the space and changing the culture that way. That person will leave. And, uh, they will leave, and I've seen it time and time again. People will, especially white folks, who know that they can go to another place and get another job like that, will be like, you know, this is too much. This is too black, too gay, too trans, too poor. I can't be here anymore. These are not my people. And I think that's where when I'll give pushback, like, are you giving up jobs? And people will be like, oh, it's going to take time. And you're asking us to enter into unemployment. And I'm like, you're a white cishet man who's 35 years old. I'm not asking you to enter into unemployment or I'm asking you to find another job. And that's different, you know? I think that's a lot. Yeah, I find that folks sometimes care more about making it comfortable for folks with privilege. Comfort, yes. Than making it accessible for folks without privilege, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about, because I think when folks think of allyship and co-conspirators on this large level, they think about people that have massive amount of power. Mm -hmm. You know, people that have really powerful jobs or they're politicians. But you could also think about it in ways that are smaller. You know, you can be an ally. You can do all these things even as a student in your own roles, thinking about your future employment and how do you show up in that field. You know, teachers, mm -hmm. how do you show up when you're mm -hmm. an education student how do you show up at the graduation when you're in these classrooms? When you're a kindergarten teacher, when you're a first grade teacher, and you're thinking about the school to prison pipeline, how do you mm -hmm. show up there? How do you show up to your colleagues when you're in that space? I'm thinking about nurses. How do they show up after graduation in terms of medical racism and the culture at the jobs they're going to be entering into? How do they change that culture? You know, I'm thinking about our comm majors and how do they enter, you know, spaces like this? Sure. And what kind of content do they bring alive? What kind of mm -hmm. marketing do they bring alive? And so mm -hmm. I think for students that are listening, it'd be important to start thinking about in your daily life, 
you know, what are some areas that you have control over? You know, yes. you have what control are, in your mm-hmm. job. What's your sphere of influence? Mm-hmm. Yes, your Who's sphere of influence. to you? Right. You know, what are the things that you're studying, that you're presenting in class, that you're talking about at work, with your family at the dinner table, I find to be the most important conversations. What do you go home and talk to your siblings and your parents about? How mm-hmm. do those conversations look? Um, and thinking about how to practice there. It doesn't have to be something huge mm-hmm. at first. You can build there. It can be something mm-hmm. small. Yeah, let me let me ask y'all this. Um, building off of what Jamil was just saying, what advice would you give? Like we have, you know, student listeners who are they're like, I know it's good to be an ally. I want to be an ally. I care about social justice, and I feel brand new. Um, maybe I'm shy. I feel like people who are not shy sometimes have an easier avenue in, at least to start. Mm-hmm. But for people who are new, like, what would you what would you add to what Jamil has said? Uh, well, I mean, just thinking about this kind of fear of, and I, I mostly am talking to, to white folks, um, you know, white folks who sort of, you know, feel it in their bodies that I need to do something and I don't really know how to get started. And I think often the that first obstacle is the fear of messing up. Yep. Um, and I think, I don't know if this is advice so much, but I think figuring out how to be in a place with yourself, knowing that you probably will be checked not once, but several times. And, you know, having maybe a community of other white folks that, that you can, like, I know for myself, if I mess up this conversation around, around like white women's tears. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think there's this, like, this like fear of like, feeling our feelings in spaces where we don't want to take up space. And I think a way to do that is to feel your feelings with other white folks, you know, like I messed up. I need to leave this space. I am going to call, you know, I'm going to call Casey and Mm -hmm. be like, I messed up and I need to feel awful for a second. And then Casey's going to say, all right, like get back out there. I feel a very privileged to have, a community that does support me and that is invested in liberation. I know that, you know, there are, there are folks out there who don't have those communities. Well, one thing, you know, first of all, like you build that community and mm-hmm. continue to build it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I, that's the reason why we're all sitting here right mm-hmm. now. Honestly. It doesn't just show up. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Um, and so that's, that's a part of it um, that you built that and other people can also, build that too. But I think a, a question to ask is, and a, and a piece to always keep present when you want to be an ally is, is to ask like, are you healed? And are you working on your own healing and yes. are you okay? Yes. So mm. that you're not flipping out Absolutely. on other people because you have all this stuff that easily triggers right. you. Yes. And, and why are you here? Right. Yes. Like, like right. what Allah was saying earlier, like wh- white folks showing up to, to get that like affirmation to get the mm-hmm. like good job for being here. Good. Like, yeah, that, that goes into healing. Like, why are you in this space? Are mm-hmm. you here for liberation or are you here to get a pat on the back? Because if you don't get that pat on the back and instead you get checked, mm-hmm. like that's going to throw you in ways that like if you show up as a healed whole person, right. you're like, okay, like that didn't feel good. But like, you know, I'm, I'm back. Like, you know, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. I, I yeah. want to I wanna add to that because healing, like social emotional wellness is what we all is the reason unwellness is the reason why we subscribe to any of these systems of oppression. Mm -hmm. We have been socialized into them. 
And at the point of reaching university, even the most gifted folks who reach university at 15, you are now put into a place to try to figure out what is the foundation going to be for the rest of my life? So I think, yes, finding community, being okay with that, with like being checked, but before you can get to like all the way, I feel like we're always going to be healing because like these systems have been like thousands of years in place. So you can't wait until you're healed to show up. Right. But what you can do is you can wait until you're no longer centering yourself and show up and, and able to be like, Ooh, that really hurt. Uh Damn. Let me write it down or something and then take it back to my community. I wouldn't always, sometimes like if someone's like super checking you and they're like, you're showing up harmful in this space, da, 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 you need to leave, you know, that then you leave. But, you know, the first thing is like, okay, I just got checked. How was I showing up in that moment? Oh, we're talking about Black Lives Matter. And I, I've said 15 comments and, and we've only been meeting for an hour. Maybe that's why. And, and okay. Bong, I said 15 comments. What were the comments? Actually, people were agreeing, so I know that I wasn't saying wrong stuff. Oh, I'm taking up too much space. That's what it is. So being able to be okay with self-discovery and learning is a thing that we beat out of ourselves, our children. You it's like you only get to self-discover until you're pre pre K four. And after that, you gotta sit down and do the tasks, do the things. And so we're socialized to not self-discover anymore and not to be self-aware and not to investigate to be these individual people so i think knowing that none of this happens in individuality and knowing that you have to have like really um making space for self-discovery and i know this is going to be cliche but like if you're listening to this podcast and you're already in the process because y'all not going to be out here just making podcasts about anything so i think like if you're new to this and you're like, I have not yet found my community or only got like one person and I'll be talking to her every week about stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like she needs a break. Listening to every kind of podcast, go and listen to Queen Tea with Queen and Jay. Listen to abolitionist podcasts. If you're a reader um, and you like audiobooks, read every book. Like the thing that why we connected in doing racism is because most of the concepts weren't new to you. When we were sharing things about educational pieces, you were offering a part of that conversation. And so for me as a black person, there are certain things that for you to ever even be my ally that you got to do on your own. Boom. And if you look like you perform, if you looking at me, oh, I'm going to be like, mm-mm. <laughs> what you looking over here for? You know, like too many looks over here to see what everyone else is doing too many times because I'm a people watcher. Yeah. So I watch everyone. And sometimes it looks like I'm I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at everything. Good to know. (laughs) Um, Especially when I'm in new spaces and like a lot of white spaces, because that's just my trauma showing up. How I have to watch my back. I have to know what's going on because I used to just say anything. And then somebody's like, we heard you say that someone said, you know, like, so I had to like learn that stuff. And so I think, Reading podcasts, reading books, documentaries have been my life. Documentaries help me figure out my queerness as an adult, as a 30-something-year-old adult. So documentaries, like really 
investigating, of course, you know, Audre Lorde, you know, Adrian Marie Brown, um, anything about emergence, anything about undoing and decolonization. And and just because it says undoing and decolonization and anti-racism doesn't mean it's right. Because, like, um, Ibram, um, Ibram, Dr. Ibram says, like, you know, everyone can be racist, and I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. So, But I will read every single book that he has because he's still... For every one thing I don't agree with that he says, there's 17 things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yep, I've been saying that all the time. Getting a book and yelling at my wife. And she's like in the other room, like, what are we talking about? Like, why are you yelling at me? But that's the point, too. Once mm-hmm. you're in that space, you can start making those kind of thoughts mm-hmm. and connections in your mm-hmm. own perspective of exactly. how you view this. And I'm really glad that you're talking about folks doing the work by themselves. Mm-hmm. Because before you come to people of color, you come to queer people, you come to that community you want to be an ally to, do not come empty-handed. Mm-hmm. Please come with your initial knowledge. There's so many things you can Google. Mm-hmm. So many things you can please ask another friend. Mm-hmm. Do not ask me certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I'll answer because this is the job and the person I currently am. But for most people, don't put that labor mm-hmm. on the oppressed community that you want to support. Because mm-hmm. now you're just adding more work, more labor, and more harm. Mm-hmm. Um, so many things. Yeah, I, I <laughs> Certain spaces, like, as I love to share things, but the other spaces where I'm like, I'm just being, I'm not here as Black Lives Matter. I'm not here for the Pride Center. I'm just here because I like art, too. I yeah. like gay stuff, too. I like black stuff, too. And I'll be like, oh, well, I'll send you my book list that has podcasts and documentaries. Yes. And, and then, you know, when folks push more, I'm like, I, you know, I'm like this. I'm not at work right now. If you want to book a session, I'll send you my Calendly. And we can talk about how, what kind of support you need. I do anti-racist coaching because I feel like we're trying to have a, cons- a consultation. Yes. yes. And then people like, will be payroll. like, oh. And, and some folks are like, oh, my gosh. I didn't realize that I was showing up like this. And I did this to such and such and such. Normally, it'll be like Sun Queen or something. And Sun is not like that. She'll she, That's not her wheelhouse. So... She'll hold space for you, but if you're like really asking her to do labor, like she'll just walk away from you. She'll stop talking <laughs> and walk away from you. And as I, as I, as you know, I will as well, but I'll be like, I'm gonna give you my book list. And then I'll walk away from you because like I do want you to learn something. But thank you for saying that. And, and you're sweet for having a book list and offering a book list because yes, I'm not, exactly. Jamel's not offering no book list. Oh, that's because I do workshops, <laughs> you know, book me. Um, and so that's part of what I share for, you know, for the workshops because, you know, I want it's, I, the, I will say the flip side of allyship is what I've seen and I've seen, which is paradoxical to me, I've seen black men who are trying to support queer identities do this where someone will say the most and white women like someone will say something problematic and then they'll be like, that's problematic. And then the person will be like, how? Google it. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> like, okay, but you just made this 15 second Snapchat or something. And yes, Google it, but maybe Google Audrey, Audrey Lord and, and right. that. Or some direction. Like, yeah, give some direction. Right, because like, Google it. Like Google what? Some of the most <laughs> problematic things that I have come across have, have come been on Google. On Google, and they're the first five, four to five like searches at the top. So, like, if you also there is a point where if you are going to enter into any social movement work, whether you are of that identity of that lived experience or not, when you are identified then as a leader, 
you have to have something. You have to have boundaries. Like, you know, I'm not going to talk to you about this. Would you like to book me? Mm-hmm. Here's my book link. Here is the book list. What do you think of this painting? Because that's why I'm here for. Like, and that's, and, yeah. and I've also, white folks, I've noticed really like that from me, where they may have other people that they may see in my circle may have come at them <laughs> like, what the, you know, like, what are you talking about right now? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk to you and get, they get cussed out. And me, they'll know that they annoyed me because I have don't have a poker face. But I'm also like, this is my responsibility. Like, I have been vetted by this this entire state and beyond as a leader. And so I have to lead a little bit more when I don't want to. But that is my that's how I'll set my boundary. Like Google I mean, even this. like moments <laughs> like that, like I'm like thinking of like all the different ways that like allyship can like show up. If like if you're a white person in a moment like that, like you can like Chime in. You can like you can do the labor of explaining the thing so that like your friend doesn't have to, you know, like like at rallies and stuff when people are like overwhelming you with like questions and things to say and like you know you can just kind of scoot in there and like take the labor off mm-hmm. of your friend. Don't mm-hmm. like center yourself. Yeah, like if it, it, if Allah's mm-hmm. doing like an interview with the news, like don't don't do that. <laughs> yeah, but I have I have seen that happen and and sometimes like you'll be like you'll give me a look like you want me to do this. And then I'll be like, yeah. And then other times I'll be like, no, I got it because I'm about to. Yeah, I'm, I got something in my spirit. Like yeah, I got it. You're going to be too nice right now because they done got on yeah. my nerves, especially at like <laughs> actions and rallies. Like you're following me around and you're trying to get like with a microphone or something and I'm trying to tend to our community. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not, as much as I'm on like things and like in press, I am like, I run from the press. I'm like, oh no, don't put me in a thing. I don't want to do that. Like I'm just here for the community. So I, I totally get that. But yes, especially like ask, like right. I find that m- more, even more so for my queer identity, if someone's not queer and they can take up that space, but check with me. Cause I'm st- now I have to still watch you though. Cause I gotta just, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, and I like to offer like, you know, like, yes. I just, I like the offer and it's, it's to people comfort level. Cause I would rather talk about being queer than being black at times. Mm. At times the topic of me being black is too touchy, mm-hmm. but, but I can talk all day about being queer often. So it depends what day you catch me, how I'm feeling and what's happening in my life. Yeah. Um, so it's that self-awareness when you're showing up to people and you're asking those personal sensitive questions, you know, make sure they're in a space where they can speak about that with you mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's vice versa. Yeah. Because, like, for me, like, okay, I get it. The whole race thing. And maybe because I've just been dealing with blackness longer than my mm-hmm. queerness. But for me, um, I, it's certain, like, I just, I don't, if I have to, if we're talking about invalidating a person's lived experience, I can't, there's no no amount of books that I can have you read to get past that. I feel like that is who innately you are because if you're asking me a question and I'm like, oh yeah, we don't say this anymore. It's just trans. And then I'm like, but why? And then I'm like, cause that's harmful. And some people feel like it literally makes them want to die. You can make someone want to die and take their own life. And now you know better. By saying that right. one thing. And then it's like, but I don't get it. So then I'm like, oh, okay. You don't, you don't want to. You don't want to debate. You want to argue about whether a person gets to live. And that's different from understanding, okay, like system, systemic oppression and how, do, how is DCF created 
to harm black and brown people. If you're not black or brown, you're not poor, so you've never seen it firsthand. Mm -hmm. That I can understand where you that's not a direct correlation. Police accountability ability less so because you have so many pictures of that. I'm not gonna hold you. Folks want a 10 second answer for a complex, hard issue. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, especially being in college, we have the luxury of, you know, having the ability to research and having materials around us. So this may feel a little bit more common sense to us. But a lot of times folks just want that quick, clean, easy answer. Like, I see point A, here goes point B. Mm -hmm. When you want me to explain hundreds of years of oppression, Mm -hmm. understand, like, complex systems, go over terminology, go over history, I can't do that in 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I need folks to not necessarily understand and expect that. Um, You know, why did I can't say all this? Listen, we ain't got the time for that. Right. That's a 10-hour answer you asking me. I don't have 10 hours. You have to go do some of that work as well. But I I, have 10 hours. Book me. Yes, or book (laughs) someone that does. Absolutely. Listen, I thought you were going to ask them for a 10-second something. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I thought that, too. I didn't didn't think that. (laughs) 10-second sign-off, maybe. I was waiting for the question. I know. (laughs) Yeah, no. I I will say that I have... I was explaining something about um, the police account, uh, around the history of policing and how it happened, like how our history of police... Because folks will be like, yeah... Uh, catching, you know, kidnapped Africans. And I'm like, that's not how our history of policing came. And that's why policing looks different here. It's just as violent. It just looks different because of other things. And I, so I'm going on about, and they're like, well, this is taking too long. Can you just tell me how? And I was like, okay, sis. Just tell me what to do. <laughs> right. And then yeah. I was like, whiteness, patriarchy, capitalism, anti-queerness, and, um, and um, ableism, and that's your answer. And she was like, no, I mean, but I was like, you said you wanted the right and the fast answer. It's capitalism, patriarchy. They all lead back there somehow. Right, so if you want the long answer, I'm going to give you the history. But if you want the short answer to the history of why policing is this way, that's your short answer. All the isms. And there is no, the only compromise is to to learn historically how a system came to be and why you think it matters to you but you can cite times where you called police and they never came because of where you live. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know you were white because mm. you don't sound white on the phone because what does sounding white or sounding black even mean when they, they, you didn't sound white to them because you put the tray as <laughs> your address. You're in the middle of the tray, not the nice part. And you're like on Day Street asking for police. You live here. You just moved here because you're moving into our city. So, of course, no, you didn't know where you were living. You just know you needed cheaper housing. But you're, I'm telling you that this is a system and you can't understand because you're white and you're just like, something's fundamentally wrong with like 911. I'm like, no, (laughs) this is how you, you should have told them you are, I'm a white person on Day Street. Then they would (laughs) have came. Like, you know, like that's, that's it. Yeah, I'm so glad we're having this conversation in the beginning of this season Mm -hmm. because in order to talk about, you know, undocumented students, in order to talk about food insecurity, housing insecurities, in order to have some of the complex conversations we're going to have later in the season, we have to start basic. We're going to have to get past allyship. We're going to have to get past how to be an empathetic person, Mm -hmm. how to show up, how to care first, you know, how to have conversations with folks that don't look like you folks that don't have privilege in the same way you have it, and how to show up for them, how to, um, how to 
be an advocate for them, mm-hmm. how to show up in activism, you know, mm-hmm. how to approach that and try to make it better and not make it about shield. That's a really important piece to start with. And we're going to be going back over these topics and talking more in-depthly because we can get very in-depth about this topic right here. But while we're going throughout the season, we're going to be talking about how can you show up for others. Because it's not this, I love how we talk about it, it's not this 10-step guide. Mm-hmm. It's not this clear badge mm-hmm. you put on. It can be gray. There's many directions to allyship, many directions. And it looks different for different folks, different relationships. Yeah. And I, I, Have me back for the immigration because I'm... I'm really ready to talk about the blackface of immigration. Oh, oh, I want to have you on for okay. the policing because you said. Oh, you have me on for that. Just have listen, me on for all of them. Because listen, I'll be there. I, 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 let's not derail this. You have your own segment. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> but the piece social is, justice with a law. <laughs> you know, I like this. It's group. just going to be a spinoff, like spinoff podcast. <laughs> um, but thank you both so much for being here, Cassie. Allah. I mean, this. I think. You know, fundamentally, allyship is relational, and you two mm-hmm. embody that with mm-hmm. your relationship and just how you are with people in general. And um, it's just such a great model. And we, as you know, we're so lucky to have you in our communities and on this thank podcast. You. Really, yes. thank you so much for trusting us yes. um, and being here with us today. Well, yeah, thank you so course. much for being co-conspirators. And I heard um, it. I heard it. <laughs> you know, like friends, because we're actually friends in real life too. In so. It feels good um, that you folks are really doing this and doing it from a non-performative way. This is really, really beautiful. Folks are telling me about the pot, are telling me about this, and then I didn't realize until after that what they're telling. I was like, "Oh, my friends do that. Mm. No wonder it's dope. Of course, it's dope. It's amazing because my friends do it." So, thank you so much for making this thank space. You. This is a beautiful thing. Yes. I could do this with y'all all day. Yeah, Same. this is I great. Like I know. We should stop, though. Although, although <laughs> I think before you stop, I think we need to make sure uh, to... Uh, Allah has two undoing racism workshops coming up. And so oh I don't know God. if you wanted to oh, like. So, no, I don't have undoing racism. I don't do undoing racism. Oh, but that's I not what will be. No, it's oh. a bar for you. But I will be at the next undoing racism because, you know, everyone thinks I do undoing racism because I go to every undoing racism. Um, yep. And that's another sign of allyship and comradeship when you find a way to educate yourself. Continuously do Continuously. it. Absolutely. Keep going back. I go to them because none of them are the same. So, um, but I am, I do have two workshops, ABAR for you, which is talking about ABAR stands for anti-bias, anti-racism. And we talk about, we, there is a whole portion around allyship and comradeship and co-conspiratorship and what that means and how can you build your capacity to get to co-conspiratorship? But how do you do those other things the right way, the way we need you to do it, that's not performative, and that are actually life-giving, and as well as mm-hmm. understanding systems and institution and what is racism and what is anti-bias and a little bit of the history. I'm a history buff, so the history of how we got socialized into that and, uh, and the rest of it is around... Um, decolonization, re-socializing ourselves, and really getting in tune with who we were before colonization came and mm. attacked all of our cultures. So yeah. book me. I'll, I can make sure I send you folks the information so or you can... plug it in the description. In the yes. show notes. Oh, nice. In the yes. show notes. Yes, good for the show notes. I also just want to say, like, remember, like, this work never ends. Like, there's no arrival. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's we were talking about, like, the mm-hmm. steps of being an ally. Like, mm-hmm. there's no arriving at, 
at being an ally. There's no arrival in, in terms of like racial justice work, queer justice work. This is lifelong. It's There are moments when it's going to be hard. There are moments when it's going to be beautiful, but like you got to keep showing up and you got to keep doing the work. Yeah. The longer you stay in it, the more fun it yeah. is. I was sure. about to say that point, but like, before we leave, it's like we keep saying like, oh, you know, we use the word work a lot. We mm -hmm. use the word like, I mean, it's continuous like self-discovery and relationships and community building. But the piece that I hope folks are hearing is that it's also like joyful and oh, fun. Oh, there's so much joy. It's, 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 like it's mostly joy. So much fun. joy. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. Like, yes, we're going up against an institution, but like we have all experienced being loathsome or feeling alone especially mm. the folks on this campus being like after coming out of teenage years. And then we are, we've had two years of COVID and like we were forced to be alone even when we had an outside mm. community. And so if you're trying to figure out what this is and like, yes, it is big work, but it's like graduation day with two master degrees at one time every other day, like the feeling of accomplishment and feeling of community and belonging in ways that you th always thought that we've experienced, but until you get into like liberation, mm -hmm. joy, liberation, you're like, oh gosh, this is why people do drugs, but I don't have to do drugs. I just yep. get to fight the system, you know? Like, that is the best thing. Like, be sober. Be an anti-racist. <laughs> okay. That's exactly how we're going to end it. Be it. sober, be an anti-racist. <laughs> Boom. That's it right there. Yeah. We'll That's see you it. next week. We'll see you next week. <laughs>